Hello, my friends. Today I'm in Davos, Switzerland, where the World Economic Forum is having their annual secretive get-together. I go through a few things today, my hunt for the billionaires in their private jets, a brief but friendly interaction with the police, and a few other things on my mind. But to see it, as opposed to just hear it in a podcast, you got to get the video version. Please go to rebelnewsplus.com. It's eight bucks a month, but you get my show every weeknight and other goodies too. And by the way, we need the money because we don't take any money from the government, none from Justin Trudeau, and it shows. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, how do billionaires get from their home city to Davos, Switzerland? It's one of the things we spent the day looking into. It's January 17th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Welcome back. I'm in Davos, Switzerland, and I'm standing in front of the Black Rock Pavilion. They don't like that. They already came up to us today and said, get out. And I said, are you a cop? What's your name? And they wouldn't say. And you know what? One of the things I like about Switzerland is that their police have a very light touch. In fact, I think a lot of the police who have been assigned to protect the VVIPs at Davos don't much like the job. I don't think they're an ideological police force. They're sort of what Canadian and British and Australian and American police were like a generation ago, which is following Sir Robert Peel's rules of policing, which is to be extremely neutral and nonpartisan and keep the trust of all segments in society. I get the feeling that's how Swiss police are. They're not the kind of political bullies that we see so often in the West. And I say that because, as you know, in our first trip in to Davos, we were pulled over. The police said, oh, I don't like those cameras. And I said, it's a free country, right? And literally, in less than a minute, he waved us through. Remember how that went down? I was like, you just do an audit. Uh, yeah. Put on inside. How are you today? Hello. How are you? No good. No good? Why not? It's no good. Why is it no good? But it's a free country, right? Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, today we went through another check stop, another police check stop. And today was the big official first day. So you could see all the police and the soldiers really flexing their muscles. So we were driving through the second uh, police check stop and we had our phones out sort of conspicuously filming the police. And they're so sensitive about that. In North America, police assume they're being filmed and police are often filming you wearing body cams. By the way, if you want to know my opinion on that, I think it's a good thing. I think it keeps everybody better behaved because police know that they cannot commit any misconduct without it being on tape and people cannot make false accusations against police, which happens quite a bit, by the way. I like the fact that police wear body cams. Well, here in Switzerland, police are very much obsessed with privacy, including their own privacy. And I should tell you, that the only friction we've had, and it's been very gentle friction with police, has been over their own 
privacy. And you've seen me say to at least one police officer that I would blur their appearance. They just don't want to be famous. They don't want to be branded as world economic foreign types. They are not here in the service of Klaus Schwab. They're here because the government says, keep law and order, make sure there's no terrorism, make sure there's no violence. For example, Antifa. Uh, there is a tiny exception to that, uh, which is some of the police wear little patches on their arms that say WEF police. Now, that is not a formal thing. That's sort of a mission badge that some police here wear, just like a memento, like a souvenir, uh, like a mission they served on together. That uh, caused some consternation when it happened last year. But we have discovered, sorry, I shouldn't say we, a fellow citizen journalist has discovered that there is another WEF police patch going on. Take a look at this tweet by our friend Masako. I call her our friend because she is our friend. She's from J Japan, and I was sitting, in fact, just over there, there's the, you know, the heart of darkness, BlackRock, and with their black-tinted CIA-type vans. What are they doing in these black-tinted window black vans all day? I do not know, but it can't be good. Well, there's BlackRock over there. And just over there, I don't know if that's pronounced co-op. I presume it is. But that's the restaurant where, like, it's a grocery store on the main floor. And then the top floor, it's sort of like a grocery store restaurant with big tables. And you're allowed to sit there and sort of camp out and work. In fact, um, some delegates are in there. Some It's just a great place when it's chilly out to camp out there. They have free Wi-Fi. The food is pretty healthy and pretty affordable. So it's sort of, uh, this is our hangout here. And um, we're sitting in there having lunch yesterday. And this lady approaches Avi with a kind of jubilation. And I got my hackles up. I thought, uh-oh, is this some World Economic Forum type is going to get Avi in trouble, but it, I mean, she was a, a very petite lady, and I wasn't particularly worried for Avi, who can take care of himself. No, it was not a hater. It was a super fan, and Masako said that she watched Avi Yamini's broadcast on Rebel News last spring when he was here, and she loved them so much she was literally inspired to become a citizen journalist and come to Davos herself, and indeed she is. Don't tell me we're not making a difference. In Japan, of all places, so good for Masako for breaking that news about the WEF patch that some police are wearing. Anyways, back to our second encounter with the police, and I, I'm spending too much time talking about this because it's not that important. It wasn't a crisis. As you saw yesterday, our entire time at the police checkpoint was less than one minute. Well, today they were on high alert. It was their opening day. They were being careful. We drove by. We, we had our cameras out conspicuously, so they waved us over. And we rolled down the windows, and they demanded that we put away our cameras. But I want to let you know that before we came to Switzerland, we hired a lawyer in Zurich, Switzerland, to brief us on the media laws. You know, we do that a lot. 
I think you know that when we sent Jeremy Lafredo to Moscow, we actually hired a Moscow criminal lawyer to make sure we knew all the rules and do's and don'ts. And importantly, if Jeremy got arrested, we had someone in the country we could call for help immediately. We wouldn't have to start searching through the Moscow phone book at night to find help. Well, we've done that here in Switzerland, too. We have a law firm in Zurich that has briefed us on media law. And here's the slight quirks. Number one, you are allowed to film the police, just like in the West. But, and this is the same in Canada, you're filming the police cannot interfere or obstruct them. That's obviously the same in Canada, too. And, um, I mean, so you, you couldn't expose their operations in real time. That's the same in Canada, too. But they have another wrinkle. Here in Switzerland, and think about it, Swiss banks, privacy. You know, it, it's sort of a Swiss tradition you aren't allowed to broadcast the face of an individual cop without their permission, unless there's an important public policy reason to do so. So if a cop pulls you over for a speeding ticket or a road check like this, and if you're filming them, you can film them, but you cannot broadcast their face without blurring it. So we knew the law and we told this that's the ringing of the bells. That it, I don't know if uh, Klaus Schwab has passed away and they're uh, having a conclave to elect the next pope of the World Economic Forum. I should tell you that uh, in a, we learned that Klaus Schwab is ill and he will not be attending the World Economic Forum today. We also learned that George Soros, another super fan of the World Economic Forum, is not attending this year. I presume that's what the bells are about. I'm kidding, of course. One of the interesting things about staying in Switzerland is you hear church bells ringing out the hour all the time. It's a rather pleasant experience, and every small town in Switzerland does it. I hope you can hear me nonetheless. I'll press on. So we were driving through this check stop, and our phones were out conspicuously, and they pulled us over, and... They started asking questions, and I guess it's my instinct after living through the last three years of bullying police during the lockdowns, of bullying Avi Yamini like this. Cover so, your nose and your mouth. Okay. You are not We're accredited gonna... media. Sorry? You are not accredited media. I'm not, you're, t you're saying I'm not accredited media. Show That's... your accredited media pass issued by Victoria Police. Um, that Victoria Police actually told us Can that they've cancelled. Your accredited media pass. Come around here. Issued by Victoria Police. So Victoria Police told us. And like this. I'm being arrested. I've asked if I'm under arrest uh, a couple times, and I'm being forcibly ejected. I've got my um, national uh, media press card, which is issued the accreditation issued by the federal government so right now a journalist is being physically removed from doing his job from reporting on the streets of melbourne and bullying him like this I work for Rebel News. I am lawfully here. I've got my I've got my permit in my pocket. My permit is in my pocket. That 
and how they bullied Drea Humphrey like this. You talked about Canada's last wrongs, the past things they haven't done right. When will you speak out about the 20 vandalized churches? They're burning churches and vandalizing them, and you're not calling it a hate crime. And how they did atrocious things to David like this. I'm on a sidewalk. What is this? You cannot touch me. No question work. Hey. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? I me. What is this? You can't. Am I under arrest? Am I under arrest? And the worst moment in our eight-year history when they shot Alexa like this. So those and a half dozen other police experiences were on my mind when the Swiss police asked us to pull over. And so I wasn't particularly rude, and I don't know if I'd call myself aggressive, but I was certainly stubborn. And I had questions like, and what if I don't turn off my phone? Or do I really have to leave? I don't know. Here's how it went. It was about five minutes or so. See for yourself and tell me, was I too stubborn? Was I too confrontational? Was I standing up for my rights? Here, take a look and let me know. How are you? No, no, film, no camera here, please. Okay. Huh? No police on camera. Where are you from? Canada. Toronto. Toronto, Canada. And what's the reason you are going to Davos? We're going to do journalism. Okay. Thank you. Should I call my lawyer? If you want, you can. But turn off the mobile phone, please. I asked our lawyer yes. about but, okay. phoning. But you can stay in the car, thank you. I can stay in the car? I, should I call our lawyer now? Is he being detained? Is he being detained or arrested? We have a lawyer in Zurich. I, should I call our lawyer now? Is he being detained? Is he being detained or arrested? We have a lawyer in Zurich. Sorry? We have a lawyer yeah, in Zurich. Him. Is he being detained or arrested? You can call the lawyer if you want. Okay, but is he being detained it's or just arrested? A what does that mean? A control. That we make control the, the papers if everything is all right. But you can call whenever you want. I know I can do that. Yes. I just want to know: Does he have to go with you? No, he stay here. Does he no, have to no go? No traffic control. Does he have to go with you? Pardon? Does that man have to go with you now? No. No, no one tells you about it. Okay. Just normal traffic control. If you if you charge him or arrest are you, him... Are you recording? I don't have to answer that. Yeah, it's up to you. Thank you. But I ask you one more... Are you recording right now? I am following Swiss law, yeah. which says I may, on me, I may not 
publish personal images of police okay. if it interferes with their operations well, or if it identifies you passport as well for what reason i'm not driving okay you can get your passport for what reason am i you, under arrest or am i yeah. being detained otherwise it's not possible to, to drive further it's i'm not a driver you. i'm not it's a driver yeah. i'm not driving but it's up to you so but i'm not driving Good. It's not uh, allowed to, to make movies, nothing to record, or to use this for internet or something else. I'm okay. aware of that. I've spoken with police and lawyers, and we blur anyone's faces, and we don't, we do not interfere with police activity. Thank you. Okay. We respect the police, okay. and we follow and the if law. If you want to make some interview. Just ask the people in front if you. We we always blur faces. We hide identities. We studied the Swiss law before we came here, okay. and it is not our intention to break the law. Good. Okay. And I and I meant what I said about Swiss police. We've dealt with police in many countries. Yeah. And I feel that the we Swiss. We are friendly as well. Well, not just yeah. that, but you respect civil liberties. Yeah. Thank okay. you, Officer Mueller. All right, have a nice day. Thank you. Bye-bye. We just went through a, another police checkpoint on the way to Davos. And I think they would have just waved us on through had we not been sort of visibly, conspicuously holding cell phone cameras. And uh, we weren't using big professional cameras, but they sort of knew that we were aiming these cell phones at them. So they pulled us over. They objected to us videoing, but I. But we studied Swiss law before we came. You're allowed to film, including police, as long as you don't interrupt police activities. And you have to protect the personal privacy of individual cops. And we've been following that law. And um, they asked our driver, Isaac, to, to look in the back, which I guess you could call a warrantless search. But I wasn't particularly worried about it. They said we were not being detained. It was just a regular traffic stop. I gave them my passport when they said they would give it back. Um, I'm not going to say that you can't do a, a, a traffic stop in Switzerland. I don't know enough of, about the traffic laws to say you can't search me. I'm not the driver. But in the end, they said you can go. You know, I meant it when I said to the cop that Swiss police are my favorite in the world. If I had been obstinate like that in Canada, I'd probably have gotten a ticket, maybe even worse. Did you catch when the cop said, we are nice? No, no, no. I don't care about a cop being nice. I actually don't want a cop to be nice. But I want a cop to care about civil liberties. And that's what the Swiss police care about. And that is why I love them. The Swiss police here who had every opportunity to do bad things to us, like Canadian, British, Australian, and other police have done, didn't do anything bad, even when we were being a little bit intransigent. I have to tell you, I actually felt like I had been a little bit mean to the cop. And uh, that is not a feeling I normally feel. Anyways, that was not the highlight of the day, but it was an interesting illustration of what an old-fashioned civil liberties first Robert Peel-style police force is like. I got to say, it reminds me of the old joke, and I mangled it yesterday when I tried to tell it. Heaven is a French cook, an Italian lover, a German mechanic, and a Swiss policeman. Hell, let me see if I can get the joke right. Hell is a German policeman, 
an Italian mechanic. Oh, I can't remember it. But I got the most important parts. And uh, so I would indeed want to be policed by Swiss police anytime I could. I'll have to keep practicing that joke. But let me tell you what we spent the most of the day on. We've got a team of three journalists and four support staff out here in Davos. So Avi Yamini was working the strip here, this main street in Davos during the day. And Callum Smiles was doing projects with them too. While I was in a vehicle going to airstrips nearby. Because Davos itself does not have an airport right here. There are two small airports about an hour drive away. And from what we've learned, billionaires and oligarchs who never fly commercial, they land their private jets typically at these small airfields and then come to Davos from there. In fact, there have been famous photographs of all the private jets lined up, just stacked up by the dozen. Even by the hundred, I understand that there were a thousand flights in and out of these near neighboring airports for private jets. So we went to one of the private airstrips today in San Moritz, which is close to the Italian border. I recorded a little video from down there. So let me break away and show you what I said when we were at the chilly, foggy, and snowy airport near San Moritz. I'm at a private airfield, or actually it's not a private airfield, but most of the jets that come here are private jets because an estimated 1,000 private jet flights serviced the Davos World Economic Forum conclave last year. So I want to check and see what it is this year. Well, you could see it, wasn't, uh, it was not clement weather, and they said that the number of flights in that airport had fallen precipitously because of the weather. We will try to go to another private or private jet airfield about an hour away tomorrow because I want to see these private jets come in. I want to see the billionaires get out of the jets and go into the gas-guzzling black SUVs like BlackRock has. And I want to see if I can identify them. There's some amazing web pages out there these days like there's one website I just signed up for called Flight Aware, which tracks airplanes going in and out of any airport, and it actually tells you who owns the airplane if you look at the number on the tail. Now, some rich people own their own planes. Many people just rent a private jet, so we'll do our best to sort of track down who's coming. And as you saw when I was in San Moritz today, they have very modest security at these private jets because they don't have hundreds or even thousands of people pass through on any given day. It's just really like a, well, it's as small and intimate as can be. If we are able to catch an oligarch on the go, we actually might have a moment to talk with them. But really, I just want that visual image. I want the visual image of a very, very important person from the World Economic Federation getting off the plane, getting into a black tinted window limousine and being whisked to Davos to tell you and me not to fly, not to drive, to turn our heat down. We're going to go to one more place tomorrow too, and that is the helipad here in Davos. Because at the San Moritz Airport, one of the workers said what's likely 
is that the billionaires are flying into Zurich and taking a helicopter directly from Zurich all the way to Davos for logistical reasons, for speed reasons, even for cost reasons, because these small private airports are apparently very expensive. So I'm going to continue this hunt. Obviously, I'm interested in buttonholing the VVIPs as I see them on the street, but I sort of do want to catch some of these oligarchs in action and maybe have a chance just to ask some questions. And I want to say this. I'm not against people being rich. I mean, I suppose it was a dream myself I had once. I'm not against people earning a living and spending it on themselves and their families. What I am against is those hedonistic, materialistic, maximum consumption billionaires then coming to a condescending, hectoring, scowling Greta Thunberg festival like this and telling you and me that we have to live small. When Leonardo DiCaprio from his yacht when Al Gore from his jet tells you and I that we have to... And Al Gore, by the way, is on the board of the uh, World Economic Forum. That's why I want to keep pursuing him. I have one more point I'd like to run by you, which goes to my interest in these private jets. I think about Christia Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada who had other portfolios, including she was actually the Finance Minister for a while. I don't know Christia Freeland personally, but I knew about her when she was running first to Parliament. I knew that she had come from the United States where she was an author and a journalist and the disastrously unsuccessful leader of a digital news project with Reuters called Reuters Next. There's some excellent investigative journalism about it out there. Christian Freeland was put in charge of an enormous project, 200 staff, tens of millions of dollars. She had no idea what she was doing. She listened to no one, appointed her own friends, wasted money, and she was so disastrous that they didn't replace her when they fired her. They shut the whole project down because it had been totally destroyed by her. That's a fact. She was really an unaccomplished gossip. She wrote books like Plutocrats. If you don't know, plutocrats basically means extremely wealthy people who want to run the world. Well, that's what she's doing now. She's on the board of plutocrats.com, or as it's properly called, the World Economic Forum. I read Plutocrats, or at least part of it, when it came out a few years ago. It was so weird. It was ideologically incoherent. In one way, she was saying, oh, these rich people are too powerful and too self-interested. But on the other hand, you could tell she was just so excited to gawk at them and to bask in their glory and to interview some of them. For those of you who are my age or older, you'll remember in the 1980s, there was a TV show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, where a tabloid journalist would show you into some of the most over-the-top rich people's houses and yachts. Christian Freeland's book, Plutocrats, was a less exciting written version of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. But by writing that book, she schmoozed with billionaires. And because she never held them to account, she ingratiated herself with them. She started to run in their circles. She was hired to become George Soros's authorized biographer 
And in fact, that was her project on the eve of becoming elected to Canada's parliament. When she moved back to, from New York City, both where both her and her husband had very high-powered jobs, she applied for a mortgage in Toronto, and she was so broke from her disastrous business that she had to borrow money from her parents. I'm not making fun of people who have to borrow money from their parents to buy a house. It's so expensive in Toronto and Vancouver. No normal people can afford to buy a home without help from their family. It's just a little weird that someone of that high station in life who would go on to become finance minister and deputy prime minister had to borrow money from her parents. She was such a failure in business and in life. Of course, Trudeau put her in charge of the Canadian economy. And of course, she loves to come here to Davos to rub shoulders and hobnob with the world's billionaires. But my point of mentioning Christian Freeland is not just to tell you how awful she is, but are you curious how she came here? Did she fly commercial jam between two tourists? I don't think so. Did she use a Government of Canada jet at taxpayers' expense to come here to work for the World Economic Forum? Could be, but boy, that would be a abuse of taxpayers' money, wouldn't it? So what about that last option? Did Christian Freeland come here on someone else's private jet? Did she come here on one of the many BlackRock private jets? Did she come here on Bill Gates's jet or George Soros's jet? She used to be friends with them. In fact, she still is. Those are the kind of questions you can normally get answered when you're dealing with political people in a politically transparent setting. But the World Economic Forum is not transparent. They're secretive. Ezra Levant here in Davos, Switzerland. This is the second time Rebel News has dispatched reporters here. The last time was last May. But of course, it's January now, which is when they normally meet. We're back. I'm here for the first time. Avi Yamini, our star from Australia, is here. He's doing a great job already. And our newest reporter from the UK, Callum Smiles, is here. But we have an extra guest, too, who doesn't work for Rebel News, but he's joining us on our citizen journalism project. His name is Calvin Robinson. He's with GB News in the UK. We've talked before as a guest on my show via Skype. It's great to see you in person. Calvin, welcome. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, it's really nice to have you here. It's sort of exciting to meet up in a jet-set town like this. The thing is, it's a very remote, it's a remote town, isn't it? It's hidden away. It's very exclusive. If The only reason you be here is if you know what's going on, if you're invited here. That, I think that's why they hold it here, isn't it? It's to keep it away from the normal folk and to keep everything behind closed doors. It's a bit secretive. It's a bit shadowy. Well, and, and they make it hard to get here because, I mean, it's, it's far away and you have to journey anyways, but the, the town is fairly locked down. All the hotel rooms are booked by the World Economic Forum itself. So if you're not on their list, you've got to stay a town or two away like we are. We're in a, sort of a legit, a uh, cabin, uh, half an hour's drive away, which isn't terrible. I, there's other reporters staying an hour away. But we've already seen how the elite get here today, haven't we? We, we went to the private airport where the jets fly in, then they get the helicopter over here, and everyone's very escorted in their black SUVs. It's very much a process that they're all very familiar with, and it's very much set up for them ex exclusively. I don't think there are many people in this town, actually, that aren't here for Davos. Yeah. And 
part of me believes in privacy and if you've earned wealth, spend it however you like, except for these folks have plans for you and me. It's like an unelected government. And I don't want to sound too conspiratorial, but that's how they talk. They talk about mastering the future. They talk about revising our concepts of citizenship. They talk about uh, governance. But these are not elected people. So they're acting like a government without the checks and balances of a government that we demand. But even worse than that, some of them are elected, but not elected for this position that they, they find themselves in. They meet up together. They're colluding. They're lobbying each other. And of course, when you put the most influential, most powerful, the richest people in the world in one room together, of course, they're going to be looking after their own vested interests before ours. And then they get out there and say, this is for you. You know, you will own nothing. You will be happy. I want to ask them. That's why I'm here. I want to ask them, okay, so who will own everything? If I own nothing, who will own it all? I don't think I'll be as happy as you. Well, you know what? BlackRock, one of the largest uh, funds manager in the world, has a big pavilion here. I just can't get over that because the people are saying you'll own nothing. I think they have $10 trillion in assets under management. They're, they are owning everything. It's they very- They do own everything. They're, BlackRock are already invested in everything, every single aspect of our lives. They've got money in it. They are controlling us behind the scenes, essentially. Now, here's the thing. We're, we're here to ask people things, to observe with our eyes, to try and get some firsthand information. We're limited because we're not allowed into their secret sessions, but they actually do live stream some of it. They post video clips. Their boss, Klaus Schwab, has published books, including one called The Great Reset. Ezra, they're proud. They are proud of this. We've seen Klaus Schwab, the boss, saying, we've penetrated the cabinets. As a young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinet. They are absolutely proud of what they've accomplished because they've managed to form a global government. They're almost creating a global state. You know, as you arrive at the airport, it says, welcome, uh, World Economic Forum, uh, the global state something or other. They're using the, the language. They're putting it all out there and they're telling us what they're doing. Yeah, and they use, they use the word global citizenship. They're replacing your British citizenship, my Canadian citizenship, with their global citizenship, which actually doesn't really mean anything. And I'm a Brit. I'm an Englishman. I belong to England. I belong to Great Britain. And my nationhood is important. I don't want that stripped away from me by my own politicians or any other politicians, no matter where they come from. And I want to know, I want to ask the people who are here, I want to say, do you believe in the nationhood? Do you believe in the nation state? Or are you a globalist? Do you think we'd be all better off getting rid of our borders? And if so, how do I vote against it? There's a lot of fact-checking done whenever you talk about the World Economic Forum. And of course, fact-checkers, I call myself a fact-checker. I check my facts all the time. I'm here to check facts. But those who call themselves official fact-checkers are often um, just PR men of the of, of 2023. They're called fact-checkers now. They try and say that any criticism of the World Economic Forum is a kind of conspiracy theory, but I, I it is happening. Like this secret conclave is happening. The pay-to-play of expensive lobbyists and businesses is happening. You can buy your way in to Davos if you have enough money. The Their plans to, as you say, penetrate the cabinets. It is happening. I think that the fact checkers either don't know what's going on or they're just playing out lying. I think that I, mean, I always say don't don't make up facts for a conspiracy. The crazy stuff is already just out there. Just rep- I, I, t- I say to our reporters at Rebel News, the world is crazy enough as it is. You don't have to g- go beyond what you can see and hear. This 
meaning is so crazy. If if ordinary people just saw what they were saying and doing, that would be enough to to get them mad. Ezra, there's two sides to that. The fact checkers. First of all, look at who the fact checkers are. Usually it's PA, usually it's Reuters, usually it's someone who is heavily invested in the World Economic Forum. So they're doing their own inside checking. So that doesn't work first and foremost. So do your own checking. Be independent. Look up the facts for yourselves. But secondly, the term conspiracy theorist, it's a derogatory term used to shut people down, used to shut down debate. And when did it start? After the JFK shooting. And we've since found out very recently that actually, yes, the CIA was heavily involved in the, in the shooting, in the situation around JFK. And they used the word, first and foremost, conspiracy theorist, in order to shut people down and to stop people from talking about a very important issue. And we see it more and more lately. Whenever there's something around COVID, vaccines, lockdowns, something that governments and big business are heavily invested in and they don't want us talking about or doing our own fact-checking, they call us conspiracy theorists in order to close us down and make us look like loons, loons and we're not. In fact, it's sort of conspiracy theorists of, of a year ago are now the prophets of today. I mean, so many of the things during the lockdown and the pandemic that struck ordinary people as odd, you know, oh, you shut up, that's a conspiracy theory. A lot of those things have been borne out in the end. It's a real information battle, and, and uh, you know, Alex Jones is being called a conspiracy theorist, but he he came up with certain concepts, an info war. There's a battle on for your mind. I really feel like some of those concepts are are coming true here. Um, last question, just for folks who want to get to know you better and follow you. I mentioned you're on GB News and you can download the app. I have the app on my phone, even though I'm in Canada, it works great over there. Is there a website or is there, tell us a little bit about your show or is there something you're working on you want to tell our viewers about? A lot of our viewers are in Canada, but we do have viewers around the world too. Absolutely. So first of all, if you are in Canada or wherever you are, online on YouTube and on the app, we have a GB News app. My show is on at 3 p.m. GMT, but you can catch it later. But the best thing to do is look me up online. It's calvinrobinson.com. I've got a sub stack where I'll be posting video footage of our trip here and, and I post a lot of articles on there too. And my, all my social media is pretty much Calvin Robinson. Well, there you go, Calvin. It's great to see you here. It's really fun to hang out with you in person because I'm a fan from afar. So to spend some time with you is just really great. So Calvin's here on his own behalf. We have no editorial control over him. It's just a pleasure to work alongside him. And of course, from the Rebel News side, we've got Avi and Callum and camera people and editors. So we've got a whole team and we've crowdfunded our economy class travel here. You know, I'm not going to ask Calvin to describe. Where's the private jet? We have a rather rustic Airbnb we're, we're all stacked in sort of like a, a frat house. It's a little bit uh, cheek in jowl, if I'm using the phrase right. But you know what? We're here on a mission to shine a light of public scrutiny on things. We're going to catch up with Avi Amini and the team now. It's a little chilly out here, so I'm going to put on my gloves. For all of our reporting, go to wefreports.com. We'll embed all of our vids. And Calvin, if I see your stuff on Rumble or YouTube, we'll put it on wefreports.com too, just so more eyeballs get to it. Thanks for your support, everybody. That's my show for the day. Sort of stitched a few things together. We'll get a little bit more organized as the days go forward. Of course, if you go to wefreports.com, you'll see all of our work, mine, Callum's, Avi's, all there. And if you think this reporting is interesting or worthwhile or useful, you can even chip in a few bucks at wefreports.com. Boy, I'm mad at these BlackRock guys. Can you believe that they're on the board of the World Economic Forum? We'll talk more about them later. 
For now, from here in Davos, Switzerland, to you at home around the world, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.